Welcome to The Raj Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family, tech, and marketing. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a doozy of an episode again. I'm joined by my special guest, Birgit Yegelov. Did I pronounce Hi. that correctly? Oh, you did really good, Ivan. Yes. Al almost. Yeah, it just depends where you come from. I pronounce yes. it as Birgit Yegulo, but I have to admit, it's yes. a very strange name. Yes. <laughs> no, I love it. That's a beautiful name. I, I There's nobody know. with my name, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, before we dive into talking about you and your story, I want to I want to preface this real quick and Tell viewers and listeners a little bit about you. So you're an upcoming inspirational, motivational speaker, founder and owner of the Cheering with Birgit podcast, uh, offering online training and coaching programs. The show is geared towards empowering people, dealing with uncertainty and fear of facing their fears to unlock their potential of living their lives to the fullest. Birgit notes that it is out of their comfort zones, the people can gain personal fulfillment and satisfaction. So uh, I could be wrong here, but I think in part why you started the podcast and what you're doing is because you faced some of these issues in the past, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, basically, everything I build and all the things I share, they come from my personal experience and struggles. Um, I'm feeling really bad and feeling really anxious for most of my life from a very young age. Mm -hmm. But all on the other side, I always had this upbeat, positive side that would always win in the end, but I would flip a lot back and forth. So you can, if you, if you are a little bit like that even, then you can imagine that that is very confusing. Yeah, And uh, it was really hard for me to get that more balanced out, but I, I really had to go back to the root because from a very young age, I start to go the wrong way, which most right. people would think society would say is the right way, but it was the wrong way, the wrong path for me. And, um, you know, you get so dis detached, you get so lost in everything that you're supposed to do. Yeah. And it actually made me feel anxious and really shit. And I am completely sure because I met so many people that have the same thing, but they don't have any clue that they are not wrong. That yeah. They're actually right. Yeah. 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 Well, and before we get to that, because I do want to unpack exactly what you just said right there. I think there's mm -hmm. some important elements in that. Let's go way back and start with, you know, your childhood, your up upbringing. Let's talk a little bit about you know, where you've been, you've been, what you've seen. Oh, how long is this podcast again? I, I sometimes I tell my stories and people like, I, I would start telling stories when I was 32. I'm 36 yeah. now, but sometimes I live there and there. And then, and people mostly think I'm much younger because okay. I was backpacking a couple of years ago. I was backpacking amongst early 20 years mm -hmm. and I would tell stories and then they're like, how old are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm 32. <laughs> and like, what? <laughs> or 33. And I was hanging out with all these 20. But from the stories, they're like, you right. have stories for a grandmother, but you look like this. 
how did that happen? <laughs> so, um, okay, I'll try and be a bit um, brief because you sure. can't say, you cannot say everything. If people want to know more, they can talk to me Absolutely. <laughs> after Absolutely. this. Um, well, I am born and raised in the Netherlands and um, I have a very interesting background because my father was an expat. He came from Turkey. He was actually, well, he had a career here. He came to the Netherlands for a very good job. And um, he was in geology and had a PhD. So he was quite, quite of a whiz kid. And mm -hmm. he met my mom in a bar in The Hague. And well, right. this is what in happened. In The Hague, right? <laughs> in The Hague, in a bar. It was called the Roaring Twenties. Now, it's, it's a funny story. Uh, my, mm -hmm. mom, my mom is from uh, the Netherlands. And um, well, in the end, they ended up marrying, living together, all sorts of things. Uh, but my dad was already a bit older than my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you don't pick that up. You, I, I used to go to Turkey like a couple times before my tent and then after, but before you're not that aware that your father is from another country and other people don't understand what he's saying, but mm -hmm. for you, it's just kind of normal. <laughs> maybe, <Sure. laughs> maybe you can relate a little bit to this story from your own upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And we moved around a little bit and uh, my father actually ended up, being sent to a, a pre-pensionated status while he was actually blooming in his career and that got him quite depressed. You can imagine that has an effect on uh, a teenage girl as well. Sure. sure. <laughs> and I was just actually growing up really fast and um, I, I, I'm a lot like him in a way. So that would get us some clashes. <laughs> yeah. And that was really hard for me because I am, in one way, I'm really tough, and in one way, I'm super sensitive. But I didn't understand that I was more sensitive than other people, like highly sensitive, because sure. I'm not such a shy person. I'm, I'm wild, you know. I go out, and right. so that was not something people would pick up, but. I had fights at home and we were always like things going on and that just felt it wasn't fair. So I just decided, I remember myself sitting in front of the window, really upset, grounded. And I was like, okay, you're good. You, you can't be this sensitive anymore. You, you cannot keep feeling all these things. It's just going to kill you. Right. And that's a really, really rough thing. I said to myself when I was 12, maybe 13, so I forbid myself to be sensitive. And from then on, I decided I was just going to be hardcore, full on, not taking any bullshit from people. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Well, one thing I wanted to mention is you're sharing your story. Well, two things, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is your English is amazing. I know English as a second language is, mm. well, it, it's tough. You know, I had to learn it. So I know exactly, <laughs> you know, what it took to get through it. Of course, being much younger, 26 years younger, it's a little bit of a different story because you tend to pick up things a lot quicker when you're younger. Mm. And then the second thing I have to say is this is a completely different conversation, but I'm a huge fan of the Netherlands because you have the best trans DJs in the world. And that's true. <laughs> so and I, I so I've got 10 years of 
well, more than that, actually, of trance music. And I love Ferry Corsten, Armin, all these guys. Mm. I watch it still to this day. So and and the Netherlands actually has one of the, one of the best infrastructures in the world from a technology standpoint. I think the, the world court is still in The Hague, isn't it? Also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, so anyway, not to interject. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's okay. That's good because you know, you know, it's. I think it's yeah. good. It, it's also entertaining for the people that are listening yep. or watching this. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, have, Netherlands is cool. Yeah, Netherlands is cool. It's nowadays. It's very boring. I have to say. Oh, is it mainly because of I guess with COVID and, and all the restrictions? Oh. Uh, it's, it is it's out, it's out of control in my opinion covid mm -hmm. not covid is fine restrictions yeah. i'm not allowed to go outside after nine o'clock that's a curfew <laughs> we have a curfew yeah. an illegal curfew which was yeah. actually removed by the dutch court and then the government put it back on so oh my okay God. let me you cannot even imagine how angry I am with these kind of things because I don't agree yeah. with how things go. So, well, anyway, <laughs> Netherlands anyway, used to be very to, liberal, but it's yeah. not right now. So, not to yeah. not to interject, but I just wanted to mention those tidbits. Uh, please continue with yeah, you know, cool. your story because <laughs> it's really interesting. You know, uh, with with your upbringing too, and I want to get to a few points also, but. I want to I want to be able to allow you to share a little bit more about your story, because I think that uh, where you are today and mm -hmm. and what you're doing is largely because of your history and your upbringing yeah. as the things that you experienced at a younger age. Yeah, definitely. It was it was very rough. On one side, I had a very happy, nice caring youth i did well at school i mm -hmm. i was always one of the youngest kids in the class in the classroom because my art my birthday is in august so if you're like bright enough big enough whatever you can keep going but you're always the youngest yeah so in a way my parents would treat me like that but mostly i was far ahead of most kids and i was a lot smarter so i didn't have mm -hmm. really have to do a lot in school it was very easy for me, which gives you a lot of time to ah, annoy your parents, be bored, <laughs> play outside. I had always I had a lot of friends and things to do, a million hobbies. I would always have a side job or two or three. So in that way, my upbringing was really nice. But a thing that I decided not to feel anymore and if you don't acknowledge your feelings and feel your feelings okay the happy ones you let them go through in a way but if you're not okay with feeling what you're feeling the intensity of it for sure you're not letting that really just go through your body because nobody teaches you that you you get thought to think to think 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 right. well that's what they teach you at school barely anything creative and then you have to draw something it has to be within the lines you know especially in that time in the netherlands like education was so boring it was right just super boring and um i would do music and all these things but if you don't with your don't deal with your feelings you're going to find another escape for it and that's mostly how addiction how you get addicted right so yeah. 
I was also quite tall and I was getting really big, like really beautiful, feminine actually. But my parents would look at me like, oh, she's so tall. I have to buy bigger clothes and everything. And my mom didn't know what to do because she would be like a walking stick until she was 16. And -hmm. when I was 11, I had to go and buy a bra. And now looking back and also looking back with my mom, I'm like, mom, the only thing you had to do is flip the switch. You're buying me your bra, but it doesn't come up in your mind that you have to take me to the ladies department instead of the kids. Obviously, that's not going to fit if you're if you have curves. So instead of dressing me like a young woman, actually going to here, they call it high school in the US. I think if you're in first grade, you're like you're in middle right. school or whatever you are. It's it's called a bit different, but here it's just all high school, like mm-hmm. class one till five or six, depends right. on your level. And um, I was actually very slim, very beautiful, but I just got the feeling that I was fat. So I didn't dare to eat in front, a lot in front of my parents because I would get comments and I was just so bloody hungry, so bloody hungry because I'm a very yeah. active person. And then what do you do when you don't dare to eat and you're actually feeling really shit? Once your parents are not in your room, you're just going to hit the cookie jar, right? Because that's the only food you can get very quickly without anybody seeing it because you're so bloody hungry. And then that started all integrating into a massive food addiction, especially carbs. And it's also been proven afterwards that carbs have a sedative effect mm-hmm. so if you eat a cookie you feel good about five minutes if you eat a couple of cookies it sedates your bad feelings the thing is afterwards you're going to feel yeah. really shit because you keep eating the cookies and you're already really full but you just keep eating and i would just gain weight and then i had to go on a diet and gain weight and just lie about what is eating and i start to yeah. really i was getting so deep far uh, into that addiction and hiding and things were at home were very stressed so i got a bit of relief when i went Mm -hmm. to university when i was 17 i was one week 17 and then i went to hotel management school it's college it's it's more of college in the us i think yeah and um at least I didn't have that smothering the rules. I had to be early home early than anybody. They couldn't say anything. I was living on my own. I was a student. I could stay out all night. So obviously that's what I did. Yeah. But I still passed my studies, my first years, almost no delays, nothing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm actually a prison. I take my responsibility. I didn't yeah. need that smothering and controlling. I just wanted to be left alone, just be loved and... Don't interfere with me. That's how how I am. But it's really hard for a Turkish father. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard. It's just like, and I, 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 he had two older daughters and he couldn't really raise them. And I have one younger brother, but he was way younger and totally the opposite. And just, I was the project that really, he just saw everything in me that he, that he actually wanted to have as a child. And he was just yeah. pushing me so hard. So that was good. I was a bit free and I start feeling better and that whole relationship got better and became fun again. And we start finding each other back a little bit. And um, yeah, it was okay, but I started yeah. getting really fat. 
and I wasn't happy with the way I looked, but then you just go out, you drink alcohol, you can drink alcohol from them from 60, now from 18 here. So you right. would just drink a lot, especially hotel management school. I was, <laughs> I was known for being able to drink so much beer. I would win, I would win uh, the competitions a couple of years. It's just like crazy stuff that people that's, do. Yeah, that's insane amount of alcohol. But I know coming from the from the Netherlands, you almost uh, have that tolerance. I think because you grow up in like that kind of a yeah, I guess a little bit of a party culture in a way, like a, like a very vibrant culture. I think. Yeah, that yeah. But the thing is, like you, you guys learn your children, your kids. They can drive from a really young age. That we would never let anybody yeah. drive. But okay, you don't drive with a stick, so it's easy. Right. And the distances are far bigger here. You walk somewhere. You take the the push bike. The worst thing that can happen yeah. to you is you're drunk that you fall on the floor or hurt yourself. But that's <laughs> it. You're probably gonna live. I fell from my from my bike a couple of times. Yeah. yeah yeah it happens it happens so um i'm not saying that you should drink a lot but obviously i partied and it was fine but it was just the eating was the real problem and i yeah. couldn't really i i would still like with the money i i had and go to the supermarkets and buy things and binge eat but that wasn't recognized as an eating disorder back then you only yeah. have bulimia and anorexia. Well, binge eating is the problem, is, is a big problem. But it, I was always yeah. looking like, what, what's wrong with me? Why do I have this compulsive behavior? And that went on until I were, for all the years I studied. And then I went to Aruba. I was 20 going on 21. And then I chose to do my whole fourth year, my internship. Uh, on Aruba, which is an island in the Dutch Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, so it actually is very popular with American people. Yep. And uh, in the other island, Dutch islands, most Dutchies come, but there was like mainly American tourism. So mm -hmm. um, it was nice, you know, it felt more like I'm not, I'm not flying all the way six hours that way sure. to be surrounded with Dutch people. Most Dutch people were. So I felt quite lonely there amongst this, the, the other students, the interns, because they only wanted to hang out with other Dutch people or with the Dutch Marines and just do Dutch things. Yeah. And it was just, I felt so lonely. I was like, I went there because I love scuba diving. I was already started scuba diving mm -hmm. and that gave me such a good feeling. And that's that's something that became really important to me. That was always my plan B. It's interesting. <laughs> One thing you said and that's really interesting is so Aruba is a is a fairly hot tourist destination mm. for American specifically exotic yeah. tourist destination. Yeah. And here you are, twenty going on twenty one. I think you said, and you're like on this party island basically, and you're bored <laughs> and lonely when everyone else that's around the same demographic, you know, all they want to do is drink and party basically and just hang out. And yeah. so that's interesting that, so I think that was maybe, like you said, you, you, at the time, not only you had interest in scuba diving also, but I think that that was probably a pivotal point of your life also sure. where you were starting to really realize about what truly mattered to you what mm. your interests were and i think that was around the time that I, if i remember correctly from your bio is that 
when you were suddenly realizing that you were you were starting to have an obesity problem because you were binge eating also. Yeah. And I think that was a, probably a contributing factor as well to maybe your behavior. Well, largely probably to your behavior, too, because mm-hmm. like you said, the cookie jar is the quickest access. You know, you dip into it so many times and you say, nah, that, that's OK. You know, I'm just having a snack. Right. But then after some period of time, you realize, no, this is really binge eating and it's driven through the emotions, the feelings, the fears, yeah. the uncertainties, the mm-hmm. voice have and honestly there's literally studies out there and and this isn't just in different cultures but it's like in people in general is just that people try to eat away their problems yeah it's just mesmerizing of how that people try to eat away their problems in fact and i know this is because i think in part why the united states has such a high obesity rate is not only because fast food is so accessible, which is a huge, huge business in itself, but mm-hmm. because a lot of people actually do eat away to the problems because honestly, right now, especially with this pandemic, 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck and they turn to food as a resort to basically give them some comfort. Yeah, so exactly. when you were talking about like going to Aruba, it's really interesting because I mean, you were at an age where most people at that age are like, I'm on an exotic island. I should party away. I should have fun. But not you. You were taking interest into scuba diving, right? Yeah, I I had my first license. I took it when I was 19 because I'm a person. I'm always in the water. I'm not a person to stay in the beach or on the poolside. I'm in the water. That's what I do. (laughs) You know, I would even lie in the bathtub for hours on Saturday afternoon to annoy my parents and even put my head under water because it was so relaxing. So that did something to me. It made me feel and deal with my feelings that I couldn't really on the dry. That's very interesting. But yeah, coming back to what you were just saying about comforting Mm -hmm. that the food, the food was after I was, I I think I never been as miserable as I was then. I'm so unhappy. And I realized how unhappy I was. I was completely stuck. I was living with girls. They were lovely girls, but I, 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 I found out I'm just too sensitive. I know now I'm a highly sensitive person and sometimes I need some space. But yeah. they were just always together and they wanted to do everything together. And I'm, I'm actually known as a person that many people like, get along to with everybody. And I just hated myself that I didn't want them around me. And yeah. so all the time I was rejecting my own feelings, rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. And they asked me, why don't you want to do that with us? because I don't want to do the same stuff every Sunday, every Monday. I just hate doing the same shit all over the time, you know? Yeah. So everything was in discussion because we shared two cars with the four of us. They wanted to be on the beach every Sunday, the three of them with all the boys. Fine. I would take the other car, go scuba diving and took, uh, took many licenses. Yeah. And it was just, that was the only day that was just my best day of the week. I also liked my internship. That was great. Everybody loved me. There was multicultural things. There were no Dutch people. I was invited yeah. to go to all the, I'm still in touch with people from that beach resort. It's Mancheba Beach it still exists. It was lovely. So in that way, my life was good. But after when I had to go home, I felt 
terrible and I felt like an alien. I felt just so it was felt so shallow and so unimportant. And I, I mm -hmm. felt I'm not here. Okay, I like to have fun and like to go out, but I'm not here. This isn't, this can't be all that there is. It's just yeah. not. It's yeah. just not okay, but I didn't know what because I couldn't feel really because I was afraid for my feelings. So the cookie jar changed to a daily um, cup of Ben and Jerry's cookie though. <laughs> Back <laughs> then, cream, I also though. didn't know I'm massively lactose intolerant. So I would actually make myself not even fat, but also depressed and miserable and grumpy. Oh. I would have so much pain every day in my body. And I went, yeah. went to the doctor from when I was 15, but they would never diagnose anybody in that time in the Netherlands with a lactose intolerance, not even considering really? that my bloodline, my genetics come from the Asian side where most people are. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. So, so I was, that made it worse. It made yeah. it worse. I was addicted to stuff that I am actually, I, I can't even digest. It's just, you it's know, it's, it's so crazy <laughs> that you, you say this, how we as human beings actually self-sabotage ourselves and oh, make ourselves miserable. Yeah. In fact, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, um, uh, when you were talking about eating, you know, being an Eastern European, you know, I, I grew up on basically eating five course meals five times per day. You know, it was mm -hmm. just like, just eat, eat. You're hungry, eat. It's like, you might be, you know, you ate an hour ago, but are you hungry? Eat, 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 eat. Mm -hmm. It was constantly eating because that's how I grew up. Not to mention as, you know, <laughs> sitting at the dinner table for six hours after dinner's over, you know, because you're still sitting there munching and, and, and drinking because that's the kind of family that I grew up in. And then yeah. when I moved to the U.S., like it was just, uh, you know, it was it was a rude awakening for me because so then I was like, no, it's not normal to eat as often. But I was mm -hmm. taught, you know, to do that. But then mm -hmm. I realized how big of a factor that I also had in my life. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't just life, but everything, you know, that I did, you know, relationships and business. And, and, and I, in fact, I struggle. This is why personally I've struggled with health and fitness for a long time. Mm. I think over the last probably two to three years is when I really said, you know, enough is enough, you know, being a former smoker. I mean, I smoked for a period of 10 years until I was 26 mm -hmm. years old. And mm -hmm. after quitting, so now it's been a while, obviously 15 years, close to 15 years since I quit. But I struggle with that, you know, and, and develop bench eating also because of the, the cravings for nicotine mm -hmm. as a result yeah. of that. But, you know, and then up until two to three years ago, I was like, you know what, just because... I grew up in, in, a, in an environment that didn't teach me how to take better care of myself and build good habits doesn't mean that I can't do it. So it was a mind shift, which is where I'm going with this is, you know, you were miserable, you were, you were eating and you were massively lactose intolerant. But what I'm curious in knowing is, because I think this is key for people is, how did you realize that, all right, I'm miserable. I have an obesity problem. I'm not happy. I'm eating like crazy. What do I do from here? Like, 
did you have an epiphany that really was a rude awakening for you yeah. or yeah. I'm curious in knowing Definitely. what happened because that's a huge pivotal oh, point in your life, right? It was. Yeah. I have a special person to thank for that. She was the, the person, uh, Femke, she's a Dutch lady, but she lives in Aruba and uh -huh. we had a local person checking on all the interns. So she would actually be sort of the teacher there that came and check in. Yeah. And I was just, you know, uh, I was lost. So I was so upset. I was so anxious. And she, she taught me the biggest lesson in my life because I was sitting there just three months before, four months before it was, the year was over. And all my friends and family, my former boyfriend already came to visit and they left. And then I was even more miserable and started eating, eating, eating. So I started right. gaining way more. Like the first six months, maybe two, three kilos on top of the, let's say, at least, yeah, at least 10 to 12 too much. So yeah. I just it was just a little bit getting just a little bit more chubby than I was, but I was still okay. Yeah. And I just got so fat. But I didn't know that yet because we didn't have a mirror, but my, and I didn't really get the hints. But I was just sitting there. And if people want to hear the full story, I, I'd say I made two podcast episodes about this because it's a long story. But she yeah. really, she put it in my face. She put the mirror up, not saying you're fat, but she says, you're here. And you are playing a victim. You are playing a victim. You came here yourself. You choose to live with these girls. You choose to do this. You choose to do this. You choose this. And actually, you're a really strong, capable, smart, nice, talented person. Yeah. And the only reason you feel like this is because you are doing it to yourself. So either you find a way to move out. You find a way to have money to live on your own. Or you suck it up and you make the best out of it. Butch. That's how that how it felt. But you know what's obviously really interesting? she only told me that because mm -hmm. I, I would take it. Yeah. I respect her so much. I thanked her yeah. so many times for it. It's like, okay, true. You know what's really interesting about what you said is um so as human beings, we like to hear what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. So when you were told, you know, this person basically told you is, here's the mirror. Do you like what you see? She was telling you something that you didn't want to hear, that you didn't want to see, because that's no. a fear that people have. And then the other thing is making you realize that, Birgit, you have a choice mm -hmm. and you're making terrible choices. But I made these choices because I knew in, in my heart it wasn't the right choice to, to live with these right. girls and to go there. With. I knew that already. I could right. feel that. But I ignored my feelings because I wasn't good with my feelings. I knew yes. it. Exactly. And I didn't listen. That was it. Exactly. No, you're 100% correct. And yeah. the reason I, I wanted to elaborate upon that is because I was one of those people that I always knew deep in my heart that uh, I had more you know, I was worth more, I deserve more, but being influenced by the externals or eating away problems or saying, nah, I'm not going to go to the mm. gym today or like, like doing things that like I would, I would at the end of the day and, and at the end of the day would be like, what the fuck, Ivan? Like, this isn't you. 
why are you doing this to yourself? Like you said, you were eating ice cream, massively lactose intolerant, right? And like purposely self-sabotaging yourself. Couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every day after I ate that bunch of shit and tried to hide it, even lie to myself about it, I said, never again. Next day, not even 24 hours later, I feel myself as being like, it's like a program running you and you decide to to let it enter yourself because you don't know how to keep it out and you're just a slave of the addiction. And again, you drive to the supermarket, you had this big American supermarket there and big Porsches and stuff. It's it's very American for European people, Aruba. Yep. And you just do it over again. And you hate yourself. You hate yourself. And that hatred makes it worse. And that's why you keep doing it. Because you don't know how to do with those feelings. So, yeah. It took me a long time to really get out of that. But it's just too much to talk about, <laughs> I think. But I yeah, can definitely no. recommend people to listen to my stories if they want on my podcast. So, yeah. If, it, if it's something that people really want to know more of, that's why I tell the stories and it's more detail, then yeah. yeah. This yeah. is just a hook because I think there's much more to talk about because this is <laughs> this is just the beginning of the of the crap, obviously. Absolutely. Well, I wanna <laughs> I wanna shift the conversation towards uh, the fear because hmm. you know that's a really big one. Um, you know, I've yeah. I've heard a lot of people say the fear is self-induced. And I I believe that I think it is self-induced. But what I'm curious in knowing is, you know, obviously, you had a lot of fears and, you know, a lot of things that you were doing to yourself, but you didn't really know how to overcome those fears. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think uh, one thing that I'm curious in in hearing is this. So you weren't always uh, gravitated towards scuba diving because it was a fear of yours, right? And Mm -hmm. Or, or really. wasn't it? No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. So I remember in your, in your bio, I think it said that, you know, in part of overcoming fear was, you know, scuba diving was one. And then, you know, the, the, the other one was really, um, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone, right. Of what you've traditionally done. So I'm curious in hearing about your, your mental take and the actions that you took to overcome mm. those fears. I mean, did you just wake up one day and say, you know, you know, said, you know what, enough is enough. How did you go about like handling? I mean, the binge eating, the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, um, how you felt emotionally, you know, inside yourself. How did you overcome those things? I mean, cause you had to take action against these I things. Did. Yeah. So to, to, to sketch you a timeline, when I came back from Aruba, I was so fat that my family and friends waiting for me on the airport didn't even recognize me. <laughs> Okay, that happened, and I couldn't fit into any of my clothes. The good thing is, because I actually got obese, and I never was before, I qualified for an obesity program from the local hospital in the place where my parents live. Mm -hmm. So I literally went back living with my parents for six months to lose all the weight. Uh, On top of that, to talk to a shrink, to do the exercise programs and then i become this became that sporty person again that i was as a child because it's just as a kid i was slim i was super sporty i was really strong but i just lost myself and because i was talking to the shrink as well 
at least you kind of start dealing with your feelings and you understand what's going on on a, on a very basic level, not too deep, but it started opening my up, me up. And yeah. I kept going back to several strings with several problems uh, in my early 20s. So from my, but I, w I was doing okay. I lost the weight. I kind of kept it off. Sometimes gained a little bit, went down. Yeah. Uh, now I'm even, even with COVID measurements, I'm even more slim than when I first lost the, lost the weight because the addiction stayed. So I still had to fight with the addiction for over 10 years. But now actually I, I can say that I lost it. But people say you can never lose the addiction, but you can. You just shouldn't listen to what everybody says. Well, you uh, but then I yeah, you you you, ch you change your actions. I mean, you know, addictions can be changed, right? They can be changed, and it can also be removed from mm -hmm. your system. But that's more of an energetic thing. But too much to talk about that. Sure. <laughs> you know? But um, what did I do? I did that, and then I went to Austria for a year for a six months to run a ski hotel. Then I came back, and then I found a job in Amsterdam, and that's when I moved there. And actually, I was doing a lot better, but every mm -hmm. winter I would go massively down. If the sun would disappear and the cold, dark days came, life got really tough for me. Yeah. And it was still a roller coaster. So I realized, okay, this is, I'm, I'm not going to live like this. I wasn't right. really depressed, but I was looking into the black hole. Yeah but staying on the right side but i knew something wasn't okay and i felt this is i'm not gonna live like this and i i'm way too positive and way too strong and i'm actually a person that has uh it's more courageous than most people so that's probably why i was i just need to get help so i went to my general doctor and say hey look i'm not super depressed i can laugh and smile and enjoy things every day but it's yeah. not normal in my opinion that when uh, autumn when fall is here that i'm right. gonna go downhill and then i come back up in the end of march i don't want to live like that and then actually i went back to a shrink and he helped me really well and then i finally got to look at the pain and then i remember the moment when i closed myself up yeah. and then i had to go through and a lot of things that i suppressed they came back up and i had to go through all that and it was really tough and i was really upset and it was really heavy stuff uh, mm -hmm. and that finally started opening my, me up and i also went to thailand to <laughs> shut my mouth and do a, a couple years later and do a 10 day Vipassana meditation retreat. Okay. So that was kind of a, the real turning point for me to really start feeling and dealing with my problems in another way. But the shit train went on because you, if you are closed off for so long, yeah. you don't really, you're not mostly you're still in your head. And when you are in your head, you are very easy to manipulate. People can lie to you. People can yeah. take advantage of you because people can lie to you. And if you're in your mind yeah. energy, you won't know that. But if you don't know, yes. still don't know that you have to be in the energy of your heart and then you feel somebody else's energy, that's the only way to know that people are taking advantage of you or lie to you or treat you bad. 
and that's yeah. still something that comes back and yeah if I went you if you can't learn to respect yourself you know other others won't for sure because like you said you know they're going to recognize your weak points and it's so saddening on how mm. other people will pry on your weaknesses because yeah. they know that that can be advantageous you know uh, I think there's some aspect and this probably a completely different conversation, but there's some aspect of that also in business uh, where when you, when you, when you think about it is this, you know, there's strengths and weaknesses, but you know, at the core, you know, you can't, and I will even go as far as saying that if you don't value yourself, you can't ask others to value, you know, or they'll no. value you, I should say, because they recognize mm -hmm. that you're not valuing yourself and they see that as a weakness. And, and it's yeah. so saddening that we as human, that there's human beings out there that literally do that, that will pry on people who have weaknesses as opposed to try to support and encourage them and uplift them to where they can become a better version of themselves, which mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of is anybody who support because they're let's face it, there's a lot of people who pry on other people's weaknesses, but there's only a few people out there who will try to actually uplift and encourage you and support you and say, you know what? I'm here. If you need someone to talk to, if you just want to let something off your chest or you need some perspective, it's completely non-biased. Mm -hmm. Like there's literally a shortage yeah. of those kinds of people in the world who are just so open-minded and optimistic. And, uh, but I think you were making strides. And I think the reason, you know, your life changed is, and is because you decided that enough was enough and you needed to take action. Like you said, you went to Thailand and you did meditation, all of this. But I think I could be wrong here, but I think that it took some time to figure out what you needed to do to change your life. Because there isn't like, you know, yeah. this magic button that says change my life and you're going to do this and suddenly you're going to feel better. No. no, you know, exactly. Exactly. I knew something wasn't right. So I went out of hotel management and I, and I accidentally ended up in uh, recruitment, worked as a hunter for a couple of companies, also studied one year between in Barcelona. Mm -hmm. um, then I, I moved to London for, to set up a desk of the last headhunter job I ever had. But I already felt like, okay, this is going to be my last one. I'm going to smash it. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, my father already was diagnosed with uh, blood cancer, multiple myeloma. So, you know, you know, the clock is ticking. So that kind of mm -hmm. keeps you a bit closer to home. But he was always really supportive. OK, go to London, go to Barcelona. And he was so proud. And then I came back to Amsterdam after being away for one and a half year. And we're opening the office here. And I started with a big success and I was doing really well and you know, I learned a lot of lessons, so I was actually really strong and I was good in business and, and people couldn't really pry on me anymore, I thought. I thought. But hey, as long as you don't really learn your lesson, you learn one and then you forget the other because you swap them around, you right. don't integrate things, the lesson is going to come back to you. So I found myself from being this person that it was, it was really good in recruitment I was actually known for my big mouth but mostly I made it made it happen you know I said right. I can do this and this and this and I did it and then I went to study for a year and this old pain and this stuff the, the things that other people 
I let other people do to me, uh, treat me really bad and stuff. It was still going on, you know. It took me so long to really let go of that. So the year yeah. studying was good. But it actually made me flip a little bit more to the humble side because you open up. And the right. thing is, when you're closed off so long and you're really like hardcore person and you keep your mask on and sometimes you take it off, then you, right. you're out of balance. So at that time, I was a bit too humble and also the way the process went. And I said, okay, for once, maybe I should just shut up listen this company really seems to have it figured out and in a way they have because i learned a lot there but not all the lessons that i thought sure i actually i actually knew a lot more than i believed and because of that and i thought okay i'm really going to learn something here yeah the thing that i actually learned is that if i give my power to others and if i am not a person to be obedient i'm not a person that people tell what to do but i kind of say okay let me just listen and learn right and you actually when it's too late find out that you've been actually not treated fairly they're trying to fire me but i'm a very smart person with contracts because i'm in recruitment for so long so it was quite hard yeah. and it was actually fighting that off like any Dutch person would say, hey, if they treat you like that, why don't you just go away? And I say, no, I'm not going to go away. I almost believe I wasn't good enough. And that was my mistake. I am not the victim here. Lesson learned 10 years yeah. ago. This happens to me because I'm letting it happen. And apparently right. they have a very, very different view of me. You're such a nice girl. But I don't think you can do sales and close deals. Uh, I think I closed about 50 deals in my life before I came here. But I just, I was so flabbergasted because yeah. I had such different feedback all of my life because I was known as a killer. And I was like, well, maybe they're right. And I almost believed it, almost, right. when it's almost too late. And then I flipped it. And then the year after I was in the top 25 worldwide and I was the top builder on the perm desk and I opened so many accounts. The company is still doing very well, but I worked there for many years, but it wasn't yeah. easy, but I stayed there almost for five years. Yeah. And in the meantime, I was always doing my dive mask. I had my scuba things. It was always a plan B because I felt inside one day, if I'm fed up and I don't know what I want to do, if I have professional scuba licenses, I can go abroad and work in scuba. Bye-bye. Yeah. And then I'll figure out what I'm going to do. It was always a bit of a joke, but I ended up doing that. So I was never afraid of the scuba. For me, underwater is easy. I was afraid of letting go of the people think I am a woman, so I should shut up. I am supposed to get children and kids and marry, be happy, boxed up in my house, work for the mortgage. That, yeah. that was my problem. And every time I would think about these things and then any, trying to behave normal, what you see on TV, society, blah, right. blah, how you should behave. That was the problem. But to step yes. out of that, that's the scary part. And that's... Right 
where I became the expert in. And that's what I help people do. I'm not saying anybody to quit their jobs or whatever. Most people just want to have more confidence or they have the 30s dilemma or they are in midlife crisis or whatever. And they're just afraid to really go out there. But, you know, I lost my father in 2016. Mm -hmm. I stayed there for almost two years to recover. And then I said, hey, I want to do my sabbatical. I never went to Australia for three months to backpack. I want to do it then. And they knew if I was, if they were saying no, yeah. I would just quit and go. <laughs> so they say, right. okay, but you can come back. And I paid, took unpaid leave. And for me, it was already a little bit of a test if I really wanted to stay because something inside told me not. I was not in a good place right. after my father died and was struggling and all these old fears, like, oh, do I really want it? I feel so locked up. I feel so the restlessness. But admitting yeah. that, and like anybody would tell you that you're crazy, you shouldn't do that because it's risky. Like no one would say, oh yeah, no, quit your job, do whatever you want. No, no, you can do that, especially my parents. Lucky for me, yeah. one parent was not there to stop <clears throat> me. <laughs> so you only have one. Right. So well, I want to go back yeah. to, you mentioned some things that I think are really important to highlight is uh, when you were working at, the, at that company is that, mm -hmm. uh, and this is, I think, uh, people think this is fundamental uh, on the way that they should live their lives and even operate their businesses is, is that they seek validation from others. They think that, if you get validation and approval from others that you're good enough, that you're capable enough, that you're smart enough, that you're good looking enough, that you're fit enough. I mean, anything really to mm -hmm. satisfy whatever yeah. void that you have, that mm -hmm. that's going to give you mm -hmm. some comfort. And that mm -hmm. is completely false because the only person that needs to understand that you're capable, that you're, that you're strong enough, that you're smart enough, that you know, you're, you're attractive enough, whatever void is yourself, but people don't have the confidence. Uh, they can't develop the confidence to understand that because in what you were mm -hmm. just saying yeah. is, and this is really for anyone, this is for any human being. And what's really key about this and why I wanted to highlight this and she were talking about it is that this is literally how people build powerful businesses and brands is because they have the confidence, they have the self-belief, they don't worry about, and in yeah. reality, believe it or not, there's so much that you can control. You can control mm -hmm. everything in your life, everything. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter of choice. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't make smart choices. They make bad choices because they're influenced by the externals, by mm -hmm. what the world and society tells or them. Or they don't choose. Or they don't, they don't choose. choose. That exactly. was my lesson. Mostly. Yeah, you, you didn't choose because you were because so... Because I didn't choose. Mm -hmm. They were choosing for me. Exactly. Exactly. So they you were chose to fire your... me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you were, you were chose, they weren't going your, to. <laughs> you were giving up your power. You were I giving did. up your I power. I gave it you away. Were the power that you have, and as a result, they took that power and used it against you. They did. They did. And it was the hell of a fight. It was the hardest thing I had yep. to do. It was also yep. my podcast, two episodes. So, mm -hmm. oh, and then my new season, one more. That was, if you give your power away, or if you don't dare to choose, yep. somebody else will do that for you. Yep. And yes, you can control things, and in the end, you can't control shit. 
But the thing is, you know, life, life is life. But the only thing you can control or can stop is that other people control you. You, yeah. you drive, you drive, you know, but you don't always know where the road is going that you can control, but you can control how you are driving. That's the thing that you I know, want. What's really want crazy to... <laughs> about control and power is that a lot of people are actually afraid to exercise it because they're afraid to be the lonely wolf. Mm. And honestly, I will tell you this, you know, um, looking at it from a business standpoint is, you know, like the Jeff Bezos of the world or Elon Musk of the world, right? These are like, you know, self-made billionaires or Richard Branson, even amongst few, right? And mm -hmm. these are people that are very, very early age understood what power and control and authority and confidence means and what you mm -hmm. can do with these things. Now, in reality, deep inside, you know, there are lonely wolves, even though they've, they've created mass exposure in the yeah. world, which always wasn't the case because, um, mm -hmm. and this is probably a different conversation is as a human being, you go through evolution, you go through different stages and the way people mm -hmm. see you, you know, mm -hmm. at first people, you know, deny you, then they hate you, then they that they're mm -hmm. fans of you and then they support you. They're your biggest fan. They're your biggest mm -hmm. friend suddenly. Right. Like, or, that, like Gandhi said, <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly. if you know that saying. Yeah. That was exactly. what I used for my situation back then. Right. Yeah. Because, and when you took back your power and when you took back your control, this is for viewers and listeners that you change the trajectory of your life. Exactly. That was the difference is, is because everyone has the power to mm -hmm. change their life. But the big question is, are you willing to do what it takes to change your life? Yeah. Are you willing to take the actions? Are you willing to overcome the fears? Are you willing to go above and beyond? Are you willing to do, as I say, the 1% of what the other 99% are unwilling to do? Exactly. That's the world and society, really. I mean, our world and society is mediocre when you think about it, because so many people think that they leave, they need to, they're conditioned to live in a certain way. Yeah. And if they don't live a certain way, they think that, oh shit, someone told me I'm not smart enough. Maybe I really aren't. I mean, like I look at someone like me who barely graduated high school, dropped out of college, and I made more money than people that have higher degrees than me mm -hmm. because I learned everything I know from the school of hard knocks, which is yeah. the best education I think you can get, by the way, is the school of hard knocks. Yeah. And you are less, uh, you know, the good thing is about not having so much education mm -hmm. that you learn to think for yourself and choose for yourself. Right. Um, Netherlands in general has a high educated um, population, mm -hmm. but people are more like sheep <laughs> here. <laughs> they are very, they seem liberal, but they're actually quite neat and they follow the rules and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. They're very um nice people great sure. people but actually everybody is too freaking busy for the things that really matter i hated yeah. it that i had to book an appointment with my friends two two months before i'm like i'm not gonna live that way i don't know right now if i feel like it in two months so if you want to yeah. see me do something about it make a priority you like to see me, then we can make an appointment for two weeks from now or a couple of days, because I understand sure. you have kids and everything. Two months up front, I said, I, I'm just, I get feel really depressed. 
that I have to make an appointment with my best friends two months in the head. I said, I don't want to do that. And then it, yeah. actually, you are right. right. Let's now meet every Wednesday. When I was in the country, we would say, okay, the, the fourth Wednesday of the month, we will see each other every month, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. People don't realize that. And what you were just saying before, Ivan, that's, I couldn't have said it any better way, but yeah. I say that all the time. The conditioning and the pressure of society and the things. Yeah. I my fear, my fear wasn't scuba going on the water. I mean, I do that with my eyes closed without a mask. I don't care. Sure. But the fear of stepping out of that system, like, oh, I don't have a fixed job anymore. Oh, I'm leaving everything behind. <laughs> Right. Oh, what about my house? What about this? Will I ever find a husband? Will I ever have a kid? Oh, maybe not. Do I want that? I don't know. What do right. I want? No freaking clue. But I came back from my world trip uh, of travels in Australia. And uh, it was great. Three months living out of a backpack. Yeah. I also yeah. took my open water scuba instructor license in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. So that was my plan. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be off work for three months, I'm going to do that. But it was already seven years since my dive master. So I was a bit rusty on some of the things and the teaching. I did some in the Netherlands as well. So that was really a challenge, but I passed and it's sure. really cool. So I had that in my pocket and then I came back and after two months, I, I felt so bored, but so stressed at the same time being back in that office. And I was, I yeah. came back and so many new people and was one of the most senior women in the company. And, you know, I had a freaking story from almost being fired to being on the top three boards everywhere. So everybody knew my name and it yeah. was just crazy. And then it's like, and I already said, Hey, I'm not really feeling it anymore in this new desk yeah. and I'm doing all this stuff like admin systems and i just had everything in order on my on my last desk because i did that because so i could make a better business but now i'm back to the drawing board for the fourth desk i'm building in my life yeah. i'm so bored and i'm not proud of this i don't want to do this and i already gave away my and then he's like okay i'm gonna look for something else and it's like yeah, yeah i need i need something fulfilling more challenging Sure. But if, if, as a headhunter, most jobs are on the phone if you're not in the management team. And then if you go in the management team, you're only going to look at spreadsheets and KPIs. That's well, true. That's not why I want to wake up in the morning. I don't give no. a shit about that. Really, I don't. And then most time I have to spend time speaking to people that are completely stupid. Completely stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Sorry yeah. for my language. But most of the time I would sit in a room. And I would listen to people, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. And then I would just take the angle out and say one thing. And then everybody's like, shit, she's right. What the fucking waste of my time. The whole hour yabbing about nothing. It is. And we didn't have much meetings, but I just know it, especially what I went through with that company. I know it when you're shitting in my face and you don't agree with what you're telling me. I know, you know, yep. I know. So. No, that is from, so from true. Being, that is people, so true. Some people were very afraid of me, especially the senior guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, in, in respect of time is, you know, I, and I know we could continue the conversation. Yeah, it's there's so much. 
that I think we unpacked that we talked about. First yeah. of all, I want to say, you know, congratulations on realizing how much power and, uh, and control that you actually have as a human mm-hmm. being and taking the steps to change your life uh, in Thank the you. way that you have always wanted to, but never actually mm-hmm. pursued to do so. Uh, but before we sign off and we wrap up the episode, you know, mm-hmm. throw out some social handles, websites. How can people connect with you yeah. uh, for a conversation? That's a really good one. I always have to look up, <laughs> look up the the <laughs> website for my podcast for my subscribe page. But sure. let's start on the easy stuff. My Instagram and my Facebook handle are at Cheering with Birgit, as you can also see here in my name and. Mm -hmm. on the call in the video uh if you find me there (laughs) i will keep more links i am working on my permanent website but it will be birgityegulop.com okay thing is you have to know how to write my name without (laughs) the dots under you uh right now it's actually the same but it says shop.birgityegulop.com that's my temporary subdomain uh so they can find me there and for my podcast, it's available on on uh, a lot of different pages. But let me look up the URL because I. Yeah, sure. So on social media, sounds like will be the easiest to connect with you. Yeah. And um, we'll definitely, I'll definitely add that into the caption of the episode as well. Yeah, and, that's uh, cool. You'll I be tagged it. everywhere. <laughs> I know it can be difficult for you know, people to, to re- reach out and obviously yeah. we're trying, you know, to spell your name or, you mm-hmm. know, so, uh, but I want to thank you, you know, for, for coming on really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. It was just, it just, I didn't even come up with half, but I knew that was going to happen if, because you, you took sure. it so far back to my childhood, but anyway, most people sure. only ask about what I'm doing now. And we didn't talk much about that, but that's something for people to discover, right? You asked a lot where where I came from. So thank you so much for your, yeah, sincere interest and fantastic questions. 